Hello and welcome to I Develop Her Live, episode number 38. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one today because I am engineering, I'm running the chat room, I'm doing all sorts, but here in the studio with me is Mr. Simon Wolf as our special guest for the day. How are you, Simon? I'm very well, thank you. Hello, hello. That's good. Um, so hopefully people could just hear Simon. And uh, any moment now, hopefully if I twist the right dial, which is always the case, we should hear the special one and only Mr. Co-host, Mr. John Fox. Hello, world. How are you? Well, if my VU meters on this screen are to go by, they really did just hear you quite severely. <laughs> Dave will be saying, didn't you remember where I told you to switch that dial to? Okay. Negative 12 for Fox. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so I am just trying to use one of the many machines on my desk here just to, because you may not be able to hear the theme music anymore, but it's still going in my ear. And as much as I love it, there we are. Right, okay. Hello and welcome to iDeveloper Live 38 on the whatever it is of January 2012 it is our first show so I think we need to say Happy New Year Yay. well there we are that's it that was the end of the show <laughs> <laughs> so that was the best show of the year so far I, I feel that we have uh, we have just um, okay so we are we are live um, we have an audience of some form out there uh, we have changed away from Convo on the chat room so if you're listening live and wondering why there's nothing Convo we've moved to IRC so um, we are on Freenode and the channel is um, pound iDeveloper live or hash iDeveloper live depending on which part of the world you come from uh, if you know what you're doing with IRC that should be enough if you don't if you go to the podcast page at iDeveloper.tv then there are instructions if you wish to join us Online, John. How was your Christmas and New Year festivities? Yeah, it was interesting. I, I we we gathered up the clan and we headed back east. So we uh, went to to Washington and went to North Carolina. And my child and wife went briefly for a couple of days to uh, to New York and then rejoined me in sunny, perfect Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And uh, my son kept saying that he wanted to stay home <laughs> and watch cartoons instead of going to the Air and Space Museum. Uh, isn't that just the children you spent? You know, you spend an absolute fortune. You plan everything, and then actually, they don't want any of it anyway. Pretty much so. I think it's retribution for when I was taken off to Maine for a family vacation, and the order came in for lunch for you know six lobsters and one hot dog. <laughs> True story. So, <laughs> so John, um, are you a Christmas man who just sort of closes the laptop and it stays shut for you know however many days, or do you keep sort of doing a half work environment or do you just keep working full time and, and say humbug bar humbug to all these festivals? No, 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 no. Well, I mean, it, you know, what I like to do is, is to, to catch up with people. I mean, even one of the things I did is I went to, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, an NS coder night in, in Raleigh, North Carolina while I was there. It was great fun. It really was. It was, it was really interesting actually, because there were, um, there were, there were two kids there, two teenagers and one of them was like all starstruck because it had uh, Cocoa Heads or, you know, I forgot what it was called. But it was a, basically it was a Cocoa developer conference that Bill Dudney had gone to. And he was all starry eyed because Bill Dudney had nice things to say about some software that he was working on. So I know that we've talked a lot in the past about, about how cool it is to get kids interested in, in software development. And these kids, sharp as, sharp as attack. So it was, <laughs> I almost wanted to like say, hey, go away, kid. You're, 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 you're going to make life difficult for me because I bet, you know, you can work for considerably less than what I want to build my clients. Yeah. yeah it, it's, uh, you watch, um, these discussions online about rates sometime and then, you know, you get these guys who are, um, 
uh, talking about some ridiculously low rates, and then you realise they are working from a back bedroom in their mum's house. I know. Uh, it's like, forget Bangalore. It's like you know my children's bedroom door. <laughs> <laughs> and so with us in, in the studio, as I've already said, is, is Mr. Simon Wolf. So I think it's time to say, uh, uh, I mean, it's a new year. Are we going to keep this going or are we going to stop no, it? No, you're stopping it. All right. Okay. Then we're going to keep it going. Um, okay. So everybody, <laughs> let's say hello to Simon. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to get bored of that. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> uh, Simon, how are you? I'm uh, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, had a, a nice Christmas, enforced Christmas away from the computer because I had um, family staying with me and then went off to stay with other bits of the family. Um, so a bit switchy at times. It's like sort of giving up smoking or something. You uh, you, you you get the urge, um, and I did sneak in sort of the odd hour hour or two here and there. Um, but it was it was basically sort of ten days or so off off the computer, which was probably no bad thing really. It was really nice. I did that. I mean, I, I went to Austria over Christmas, and um, I didn't bother buying a data plan or anything for the phone or the iPad. Um, and there was no Wi-Fi at the hotel I was at, so all there was. But it, you know, it was ridiculously priced. So I wasn't going to buy it. In fact, I didn't even take the laptop. I only took the iPad with me, and I just didn't check email or anything for about ten days. And it was lovely. I, I'm sure I've lost thousands of customers, but um, it was great. There we are. This vacation stuff's quite good. It is, isn't it? Um, um, it's something I haven't had for, for quite a while, and uh, I think really it should be encouraged. It should. There we are. Take well, breaks. Si- Simon, can it be said that the quality of the code base in which you normally make contributions went up, you know, skyrocketed <laughs> during the 10 days of your absence? <laughs> Productivity everywhere else rocketed, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a feeling this is going to be one of those episodes where someone's going to make comments more technical content, please. But there, <laughs> but, but there we are. Okay. Um, in fact, I was about to ask for some reviews on iTunes, but we'll leave that until we have done some technical content so that we don't get them all out there now. Right. Before we do that, uh, John, I know it's been quiet, but um, any any sort of techie news that you've got, John? We haven't had a chance to speak online or anything before uh, before the show. This literally is, I think, the first time we've spoken since the end of the last show. So you could say, nope, I've got nothing, or you could have a list there seven miles long. But anything of a technical note to talk about at the moment? Uh, no, I, I will say I've got nothing. But I am actually watching to see if, if there's any little back-channel news from CES, which is going on now. And then I know a couple of people from Apple seem to have snuck off to, maybe just to observe. But that, that since one of my clients is, is does things in that space, I'll be curious to see if... if either what people say about uh, what Apple will come up with later on this year or, or what people think that they might have seen in some kind of hotel room preview. It was quite interesting to see. Um, I mean, Microsoft treat CES or have treated in the past CES a little bit like Apple used to treat Macworld. Not quite to the same extent, but they uh, Microsoft were a main contributor. They'd always do announcements there, and yet they've announced this is their last one. So, yeah, and, and I think the interesting analysis of that was like, oh, look, maybe maybe Apple wasn't so dumb afterwards when they made their choice about it. I just think in general, big tele, you know trade shows are, are kind of irrelevant, other than an excuse for people to get together in, in, in high volume places like CES and just a place to go anonymously drink. And I think in, in low volume places, it's just to, to, to have the social aspects of it. Well, for myself, uh, what have I got? Um, I'm trying something at the moment 
that I used to do a long time ago when I worked in the Windows world. What I used to do um, there is I'd, I'd use a virtual machine for every single project so that I could always, um, you know, guarantee that all the libraries on that machine were exactly as I wanted them for that project, you know, including shared libraries. And an OS was at the exact version I wanted, the t- only the tools I wanted were on there. No library could sneak on there or something. Um, so, which is, yeah, that stuff's not so bad if you're just doing Cocoa, but if you're doing stuff like Rails and Ruby and all that at the same time, you know, what your gems you've got installed and haven't got installed can all get mixed up. And so now, of course, with um, uh, 10.7, OS 10, 10.7 line, you are allowed to virtualize it. It's in the license agreement. And um, I use VMware. Um, I know there's parallels as well. I have used both of them. You know, VMware Fusion version 4 allows you to virtualize um, uh, OS 10. I've been sort of setting up different uh, virtual machines on my machine to to run things, and I have to say it works very, very well. I, I was curious about that. So, how much is the minimum disk space that you can you can get away with? I ha- yeah. Okay. That's the. Um, okay. So everybody knows what my setup is. First of all, um, I use. Uh, I'm at the height of technology. Marcus Zara always laughs at me with my cute little out-of-date laptop. Um, uh, I'm using um, just a MacBook. It's not even a MacBook Pro. It's the, um, uh, as as you would say in your part of the world, the aluminum version that they did for about three and a half minutes. Um, uh, 13-inch there. So what's that, a 2.4 gigahertz processor? Um, I did do a bo- uh, an upgrade... Um, a firmware upgrade that allows me to run 8 gig of RAM in it uh, without, in theory, that it's slowing down. I could never prove it once, so I have got 8 gig of RAM in, in the thing. Um, and a 256 uh, gigabyte SSD. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the main problem I have with this machine full stop is disk space with only having a 256 gigabyte um, machine. And I would say a VM with a standard install and the sort of Xcode toolkit and everything in is a about 16 or 17 gig. And you don't try to share any space because that would, I, I assume that that would kind of uh, defeat the purpose. Um, I don't, tr- uh, no, I will share sort of, um, what I'm mainly interested in is making sure only the certain libraries are installed, only the compilers are only looking at certain things. So none of that stuff. But, you know, I do uh, basically shed up, set up the um, areas of my main user on my um, on my machine as a shared drive so that appears as a shared drive to the the virtual machine so I can just always access stuff on my main machine without having to drop out or copy and paste or do weird stuff like that um, yeah and it works well I, I allocate about if I'm just running one machine I allocate about 4 gig of the memory to the virtual machine um, leaving 4 gig from the main machine and um, yeah it builds a little slower than it would build if you were just on the machine by itself but it's definitely usable and um just if you're working on three or four projects at once and you're worried about that. I've, I've, I've been using quite a lot of Ruby and Rails recently and different stuff and doing server-side stuff as well. And it's there, you know, having different versions of gems installed or different versions of Rake. And I know there's ways to manage it, but actually just having a nice clean machine just makes it a lot easier. I think that's a fine suggestion. And uh, so you have to run this on, uh, on, you have to run like, you know, Lion server to be able to, to, to run the virtualized machines or, or, or not? No, the licensing agreement, I mean, it was technically possible, I think, to, to run virtualized um, OS X before Lion. Um, but licensing-wise, you were only allowed to run server. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, so Snow Leopard server. But with the introduction of um, 
Lion, uh, the license agreement said you could virtualize the just standard OS 10 client as well. So um, it was, uh, I thought now it's time to sort of go back to it. I am going to have to look at, um, uh, you know, disk space. That is going to be an issue if I want to do it for every project. You see, the nice thing is I've set up a, um, a standard OS 10 install with the stuff I always know on there and I'll keep that up to date. Then when I start a new project, I'll just copy that. So I, I won't have to set up OS 10 every single time. I can start with a base place of things I always want um, and, and do that. But I probably will have to look at more space. Now I'm considering at some point this year, I'll probably upgrade this laptop. But uh, at the moment I'm considering, you know, taking out the optical drive and sticking a um, 500 gig or a 700 gig um, hard drive in there to go alongside the SSD. And that's where I'll store my virtual machines or just copy the current projects across onto the SSD and leave other projects on the, the other one or something like that. But it's, yeah, it, it seems to be going pretty well. Well, that is dandy. Simon, are you going to follow suit any moment now and virtualize just like Scotty? I, I would like to do it, um, but only because I'm still having to boot into Snow Leopard for some old client projects, um, which is a real pain. Um, but because I think I'm right in saying that VMware, although for a brief period, they let you create um, Snow Leopard virtual machines without any of the, the fiddling around that you traditionally had to do. Um, that was then taken back out, uh, which means you're back to fiddling around to get it all set up. And I'm really too lazy to, to go through all that. And, and dual booting's a pain, but I'd rather stick with that than, than put myself through the extra pain of trying to set up virtual machines and it, it becoming a real mess. So I'd like to do it, um, but I'm not sure I ever will. Uh, Ian... Ian um Graham, not Ian. It's because he says, I am Lee G. Graham Lee in the uh, uh, chat room is asking about uh, how does this affect um, App Store in licensing. Um, the te- you know, the moral side of the App Store, I think I'm clear on, but the technical side, you're definitely clear on. It will just, you know, you just put in your uh, standard iTunes account and just re-download it into each VM. Um, or on some, on the standard VM, I have certain software installed all the time, like TextMate or whatever else. And that just that just copies over. But I believe you're allowed to use um, App Store purchases on any of your machines that are your own machines anyway, and a VM still qualifies as your own machine. So um, whether they build in any physical limitations from downloading the App Store, I don't know, but not that I'm discovering. Hmm. Now... Not completely related and, and certainly not terribly technical other than, than kind of geek culture. Have you seen this, this web page that lets you simulate rebooting into a variety of different operating systems, including good old OpenStep? I have. I, I saw that um, a couple of days ago and I, I did a couple of uh, Amiga reboots to uh, flash back to the good old days. And then I have to say I moved on because I thought uh, it's either going to get very time consuming or get very sad. Um, yeah. probably, probably the later of the two, to be honest. It, it, it really was a kind of, I almost found myself kind of being in a cold sweat with, with some of them. It's like, all right, come on, I've got to get something done. This is the 15th time I've removed all the control panel devices. Why is it not working? But um, I was pleased to see that somebody um, did point out, um, um, going back to the Amiga ones, that although the shutdown screen was one version of Earth, the old Amiga operating system, when it rebooted, it was using a slightly different version. So uh, there are people out there who are, who are geekier than us, John, getting our casual kicks from these sites. I'm glad to know that. People are pointing out in the chat room that they don't really see why there is a problem with OS X libraries. Um, nope, you're right. OS X itself isn't there. It's when you start using external stuff and you have different projects that might use different versions of, um, you know, it might even be just 
different versions of uh, libraries from Git, you know, GitHub. Um, and you want to make sure that you've only got the, you know, they're linking against the right one. Uh, it's definitely if you start using um, stuff like Ruby and Rails, where you might have, you want to guarantee you're using certain versions of something like Rake because you've got to match the server you're running against and you don't want sort of those differences. And so you might have two or three projects working on two or three different servers that are using different gems and different versions. It is all manageable, but this is just me. I, I don't have to care. I install the versions I want, and I know I'm not going to get cross-contamination. I know I'm not going to deploy with the wrong libraries and screw something up because only the libraries I need are on that particular VM that I'm going to deploy from. Um, it's you know, it's a small thing. Uh, they were right in the Windows world. It was it was you did it partly because of you know, what was known as DLL hell, um, and you know you, all the registry settings were were different and whatever else. But this it also means I can configure a VM to run in whatever way I like. I can try stuff out. You know, um, you know, here's an example for you. Uh, you can set up a VM and you can just give it very little memory and see how your application performs compared to the 8 gig that you've currently got in your Mac. So it's quite useful for that sort of stuff as well. But can you, could you simulate um, other things? Well, I guess you you could set it up with, with like screen size and so on and so forth. Nothing else like that. I mean, that, that should be very easy, right? Yeah, this, simulate what's it like to run it on a, on a 13-inch uh, aluminium MacBook. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very shiny. Um, it's it's yeah. The reality is, my laptop for ninety percent of the time I'm using gets used on my desk, and it's plugged into a thirty-inch cinema display. So that part of it doesn't have to worry me. In fact, that means I can have sort of you know two or three VMs open if I really want to, and and see them all, and that's fine. Um, but no, because I just if I'm on the um, because it's running on Lion, if I'm working in a particular VM, I just go to full screen mode and it's just like I'm working on that laptop until I switch to a different VM or a different one and go full screen mode on that one. So it's no different to working on a 13-inch laptop would be anyway. Hmm. Now, since this is a random show, at some point you can tell me when I can ask a random video question that random guest Simon might have the answer for. Well, Simon is actually going to do a segment for us on, on some video stuff. Should we see if actually anything he's going to talk about comes anywhere near answering it, or is it really so random you don't think it will do? No, well, let's let him speak first. Okay, so let's do the introduction music for our special guest. Ta-da! Stunning, amazing. One day I really ought to commission some introduction music. He's not a porn star. <laughs> He doesn't make porn. <laughs> Don't give him ideas. All right, okay, yes, well. Uh, right. P-O-R-N-S-T-A-R. <laughs> Moving very swiftly on. <laughs> Simon, you, you're going to speak to us. What, 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 what are you? Yeah, you, I mean, I'm giving much chance to speak. What are you going to tell us about today? I um, am going to have a, a quick chat about um, AirPlay and um, second screen support in iOS applications, um, mainly because it was something that I tackled in a, a project for a client recently. Um, and there were a couple of bits, it might have just been me, but there were a couple of bits that were not quite as obvious and as, as intuitive as I thought or hoped they would be. Um, so if it saves somebody a bit of time and, and helps clarify things, great. Um, and also if it encourages people to actually start adding a bit more um, second screen support to their applications, even better, because you can do some really good stuff. 
Okay, so we're talking about iOS devices. So we're talking about if you would attach using one of the special dongles or something, first of all, possibly to your TV or to an external monitor. Yeah. Um, okay, so remind us what AirPlay is. Okay, um, well, AirPlay basically evolved out of AirTunes um, back in September of 2010, I think it was. Um, and it's, it's a, a way to stream um, audio and video to AirPlay-enabled devices. Um, now, video, really, you can only currently stream to an Apple TV. Um, I'm not sure there are any third party um, hardware devices that you can stream video to um, there, there certainly are for audio but for the purposes of this because we're talking about second screens things like that when I'm talking about AirPlay it will be generally in reference to streaming to an Apple TV um, and in terms of the second screen support that was added back in uh, iOS 3.2 for the iPad um, and iOS 4 for the iPhone and iPod Touch um, now, the only thing you've got to watch out for with that is that it's actually limited to iPhone and iPod Touch devices that have got Retina displays. So even if you've got, say, an old iPhone 3GS, you're running iOS 5, um, you can't do multiple screen applications on it. So is that anything to do with the Retina display, or is it just to actually do that I point think, when the hardware was also in there, it's a good way of identifying Yeah, it. I think it was just based on the hardware capabilities of the, of the devices. Um, obviously with an iPad, because it came in with, with iOS 3.2, um, the first and second generation iPad um, can both support second screens. Um, and then traditionally you had to use a cable to connect your iOS device to, say, an HDTV. Um, and then Apple, uh, with iOS 5, came along and said, okay, we've now got this wonderful thing called AirPlay mirroring, um, which allows you to effectively wirelessly stream your uh, iOS device's screen to an Apple TV. Okay, so this is um, this is something built into the OS. Yes. So why do I need to care as an app developer? Okay, um, there are a couple of things um, um, you need to think about with this. The, um, the first is that AirPlay itself and understanding what AirPlay is and, and, and where it ties into things. Um, AirPlay supported in, in Apple's media playback frameworks. So we're talking about things like MP Movie Players um, in AV Player. Um, they put it into the UI web view, um, which is why you can say watch a YouTube video in, in Safari and you can then use AirPlay to send that over to an Apple TV. Um, so you've got that. So if you're developing, say, a video application or something like a game or anything else where you're playing back video, you've got the potential at that point uh, to support AirPlay. Now, you may not always want to do it. Let's say you are uh, developing a game um, and it's got a video introduction. There are certain circumstances, which I'll come on to in a minute, where um, if you set your iOS device up to do it, it will automatically stream any AirPlay playable content to an external device. So you could be sitting on your with your iPad playing a game and suddenly the screen would go black because the video that should be playing on it is being played on a completely separate machine. Um, so you have to watch out for that. You've got to be, be a bit aware of, of issues like that. Um, because basically what happens is um, AirPlay, uh, normally people think about AirPlay and you've got the little sort of square icon uh, with the arrow on it and you tap on that and it gives you a list of devices that you can then stream the video to um, or audio. Um, what it's actually doing is you're setting up routing on your device um, and the routing isn't just restricted to your application, it's for the whole device. So if you're watching uh, a video, um, you can set up routing in that to stream to your Apple TV. Um, you can then come out of that application and go into a different video application, and the routing can still be set up because the device still thinks that it should be streaming any video content that is capable of being played over AirPlay um, to an Apple TV. So 
that's the first first gotcha is that that um, the routing that you set up for AirPlay is not necessarily just for your application. It can be picked up by other applications and used. Um, now, what Apple do do for things like um, AV Player and UI Web View and uh, the the MP Movie Player controller and MP Movie Player View controller, um, you can actually set um, properties on that to say don't automatically start streaming video, even if there's an AirPlay device set up and, and that you're meant to be streaming to. Um, so if you're doing your game, you can say to it, only play the video content on this main screen, the, the game screen. Um, a couple of other things just to mention while I'm, while I'm talking about the AirPlay side of it is um, if you're doing stuff in AV Player, um, there's no built-in simple way to not enable but to access um, the AirPlay routing options. Um, you'd think and you'd hope that Apple would just sort of put in a, a button or a, a method that you can call where you tap on it and you get the, the popover that shows the uh, the options for you and you select one and, and that sets up the AirPlay. Um, they haven't done that. What they have done, um, there's a control called MP Volume View um, and that has two elements to it. It's actually got a volume slider which controls the device's volume um, and it has a root button which you can show or hide. So you can, in your application, if you want, you can use this MP volume view. You can optionally hide the volume part of it and just show the root button, um, which then gives you the ability to tap on it in your user interface and, and show the routing options. Um, the downside to this, uh, well, there are a couple. The first one is that um, currently um, the way that it displays the, the AirPlay button or the, the icon on the AirPlay button is off-center um, and it's not sized properly and it's, it's a bit of a horrible mess and you have to sort of hack um, hack your way around that. Why did they do that? I think it's a bug. Um, I think it's probably one of these things that they didn't really think about. The whole implementation of, of AirPlay through MP Volume View is really, really messy. Um, and I'm hoping it's one of the areas they're going to start tidying up. I've, I've fired a whole load of radars for them, so we'll see see if anything ever happens. But is this just another case? Because I mean, you know, I, I haven't done much video work on iOS, but I've, I did enough to know that you know, the underlying video technology is really cool. The wrappers that Apple seems to put in the SDK, if I'm being kind, tend to be crap. Um, I, I think, you have, yeah, I think that's justified. Um, I think the problem is that um, it's still comparatively new technology, and they've obviously put an awful lot of work into the back end of it. Um, and I don't know who at Apple works um, on... Um, the AV Foundation stuff. Um, I don't know if it's the QuickTime guys who've come over, if it's a whole new team, if it's a, a cross-pollination between um, the two. Um, but I, I get the feeling from using this stuff that um, the basics are in there and an awful lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff is in there um, and is very good and very solid. Um, but the little UI elements don't really exist yet. They, they sort of try and encourage people to use the MP Movie Player controller. And for an awful lot of people, an awful lot of applications, that's fine. Um, the problem comes when you want to extend that. If you want to have some extra video controls, you want to you know, incorporate a, a bit more functionality, variable playback rates, things like that. You then have to drop down into AV Foundation um, with AV Player um, and AV Player layer. Uh, and at that point, you're then effectively fighting against the limited bits of UI they give you. Um, MP um, Volume View, for example... Um, there's no easy way to skin any of the elements on it. You can do it, but it's unsupported because you basically have to go and look at the subviews of the MP volume view. You have to work out which is the the, uh, the slider. You have to work out which is the button for AirPlay, and you can start fiddling around. But it's it's not recommended. Um, it's not ideal. And, and you would have thought, with all the work they're doing and encouraging people to skin applications and make them look beautiful, 
that things like that would have been dealt with, but it hasn't yet. Um, and similarly, and, and equally annoyingly, because the routing options for AirPlay show up in a, a popover, they don't give you any delegate methods, so your user interface can't tell when the popover has been displayed or when it's been taken away. Um, so if you are emulating uh, their style of, of movie player where you know, you've know you got a, a control panel that fades in and out, um, and in their, in their um, MP movie player, if you tap on uh, the AirPlay button, the popover appears, and the controls stay on screen until that's dismissed. Now, if you're doing that in your own application, you have no knowledge at all whether or not that uh, AirPlay popover is still visible or not. So, you know, you, people have been forced at the moment to create effectively subpar user interfaces. So it's not ideal, um, but I, I file radars. Um, I will try and make sure they're on open radar in the next day or two. Um, if people want to go and file other bug reports for it, fantastic. If they want to duplicate mine, fantastic. Um, I think Apple are aware of it. I talked to, to the evangelist um, for this area at the London Tech Talk, um, and he sort of scribbled notes, and I've emailed him. So fingers crossed it will be sorted out, and it's just something that because this is all fairly new um, and it's a developing technology, it's just one of the things I haven't got around to doing yet. Cool. I think the chat room was sort of very gently telling me to shut up. Um, <laughs> uh, at least I think I pronounced this right. This is only a nickname anyway on IRC, so I could be Rude Mateo is saying, have you seen how bad the Android video frameworks are? In other words, <laughs> stop moaning, it could be worse. It could be worse, but then we, we, we're writing we're Apple, Apple code because we expect it to be better. Precisely. But I, I want to make sure I understand something. So when you're talking about doing things like controlling bits of the playback experience and you have no choice but to use Apple's kind of UI, right? But, and, and you said that the alignment is off a little bit, so I, I'm imagining that you're kind of, you know, playing around setting the frame of, of something yep. a little bit. But but there's no way that you can't say, you know, give me just the data, give me just a list of the playback devices and display it in your own UI. No, you, you can't. This is where it's very frustrating. There's no way for you to control any of it. It's, it's a, effectively a black box. Um, and so, But you can't do something even even more stupid like putting, setting the frame where they would display the popover off screen and then kind of like you know, reading the, you, you <laughs> traversing can. the views and, 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 and kind of redrawing your, your, your own UI visibly. Well, you can. That, that's effectively what you have to do. The problem is then going to come that when they fix this, um, you have to be aware of it and you have to then start coding for different versions of iOS so that... Um, in the old broken versions, you obviously keep changing the, the frame yourself, and in the new versions which are actually fixed, you you don't do any of that. So it's just adding sort of more onus onto the developer to fix their their mistakes effectively. Mm. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens with it. Um, hopefully, hopefully, some of this will be sorted out sooner rather than later. Um, but it, it, you know, it's not a showstopper. You can still code around it. it, it you have bits of your, of your UI which may not be quite as elegant as you'd like. But if you want the functionality, unfortunately, you're going to have to live with this stuff until until Apple have got around to addressing it. Um, so that's sort of AirPlay and the AirPlay routing side of it. Um, then the other sort of big area um, is the multiple screen support. Um, now, this is quite interesting because it basically means that if you have a second display plugged in, connected via um, um, a cable or now via AirPlay mirroring, you can say, I will have a certain set of content on the, the device's screen and I'll have a separate set of content um, on this external display. Um, and all you have to do for that is, is really, really simple. There are four areas where you check for what's going on with your screens um, because UI screen has a screens array which gives you 
um, a list of all the screens you've got connected so you can see if it's just one, which is always the built-in one, um, or if it's two, which means you've got an external one. Now, apparently there is an edge case where it'll sometimes show three, uh, which is something to do with, I think it's when you've got airplane mirroring on and you then plug in a, a cable as well, but it's it's it happens for sort of literally a second and it's, uh, um, you know, very, very edge. So if you just check for, you know, one or two screens, you're pretty safe doing that. Um, and the four places you really need to manage any of this is when the application launches. So an application did finish launching with options. Um, you do a check then for the number of screens so you can configure things. Um, when the application's reactivated, so an application did become active. Um, and then there are two notifications, which is UI screen did connect notification and UI screen did disconnect notification. And then all four of those, you can just call one central method that you've got that will configure your user interface depending on whether you've got one or two screens available. Um, and to set this up, you basically, you do a check and you say, is UI screens, screens count greater than one? And if it is, you create a new UI window. Um, and then you call UI window set screen method, uh, which assigns the, the second screen to this new window. And then you can just add views to that. And it's exactly the same as dealing with a normal view system. Um, so that's all actually really easy to do, and it's nice. Things like Keynote, where um, you display your main slides on the external display, and then you can see your, your uh, speaker notes on the device. Um, it's real racing too, isn't it, where they've, they've had all the publicity because uh, you play the main game on your TV, and you've got the, the map of the course and, and other information about the game on your iPad. Um, now, none of this stuff's rocket science, and it's got them a whole load of publicity, but it's really easy to implement in, in, in your own applications. Um, so that's really all you have to do for that. You, you obviously have to manage it so that when um, um, the second screen is disconnected, um, you get rid of the window, the second window, and, and, and the screen and things like that. But, you know, it's all fairly basic cocoa stuff. Um, the only real gotcha with any of this is that um, some televisions have a, an issue with overscan. Um, I'm not going to go into the details of that because some of it does get quite complicated, but there are various options you can set that tell your application how to handle it. Um, so go and check the documentation. It's all, all written up. There are um, a whole load of documentation about that. In a minute, I'll, I'll mention a, a WWDC session that covers it all and gives you demos about the overscan issues and, and the various resolutions. Um, so where all this ties together, the whole AirPlay and the, the multiple screen support, um, is through AirPlay mirroring. Um, and AirPlay mirroring is slightly strange because um, it was billed by Apple as being a way of, of effectively mirroring your iPad's display onto a television, which is fine. It does that. But what it does is it does it by setting up the second screen. Um, so although when you turn on AirPlay uh, mirroring, um, normally you'd get a, a complete mirror, because you can you can control the contents of the second screen, it doesn't have to be. So your application at this point can do exactly as it used to with a cable connected, and you can then configure it to show one screen full of information on the on the device and one screen full of information on your television, um, which is really handy. Um, the slight annoyance is that um, with their, their much needed um, routing options that they have for the video players. Um, the only way to enable AirPlay mirroring is through um, the AirPlay options um, that you get on the, the um, um, I don't know what it's technically called, the, multi the, the, the uh, multitasking um, bar that you slide up. Um, and on that, you can select your AirPlay device, um, and then you can just turn mirroring on or off on that. Um, so really, it's, it's simple, but it's, it's a hybrid between the two. And this is where, where I had a, a bit of confusion about exactly how AirPlay mirroring worked and what it was doing, because it, it's got the name AirPlay. 
but it's actually different. It's like effectively just plugging in an external cable as you used to with the screen mirroring and getting the second sport, uh, the, the, the second screen display. So don't consider it um, as necessary like sort of traditional AirPlay that you're just streaming video content or audio content. It's effectively a wireless connection to a second screen. Um, I have a question. Can go I ask a question yeah, you can ask now? a question. So does that mean in terms of the available window size, is it that you you have a standard window and you can divide half of it, or could you really have two completely different windows? No, you, you, you have two completely different windows. Um, they're treated as completely different windows. They can have different resolutions. Um, there are ways you, you will get iOS to tell you the resolution you've got to work with, but you have they're two completely separate objects. So you actually at this point are working with two UI window objects. In terms of performance and whatnot, you know, you have one GPU, you have one device, right? So, I mean, yeah. it's not like, so, okay. Um, no, I mean, I wouldn't try and do um, um, something massively, massively uh, uh, demanding on it. I mean, with things like Real Racing 2, they're, they're basically shoving all the uh, processor-intensive video out to the TV and leaving the fairly lightweight stuff on the iPad. Um, if you're doing it with mirroring, um, you know, it's very simple because they are just streaming the video out. So all the processing has been done on the device and they're taking the output of that and streaming it. So I wouldn't try and run, for example, a full um, HD um, um, graphics intensive game on the iPad screen and separately try and create a second window that you're going to display on a TV because I think then you probably will hit performance issues. Um, but for the vast majority of, of applications, and certainly for things like video playback, um, presentation stuff like Keynote or anything else you want to use it for, I think you'll be absolutely fine. I think I think the iPad's got enough grunt, especially the iPad 2, um, has got enough grunt to deal with all of that. And what happens if you have uh, two iOS devices on the same network and they, they both want to send AirPlay? I mean, obviously, you can only send one from one device at a time, but when you make the switch over from one device to another. I've never done it myself, but is there is there kind of like a, a fade out on the the the, the app on the second screen as, as it switches I have sources? I have no idea. I would guess, although I haven't tried it, that when you bring up the routing options, it probably shows the um, the AirPlay device, your Apple TV, as being in use with something else. So I guess it's either not in the list or it's shown in some sort of disabled state. I haven't tried it, but that, that would seem to be the logical... Um, logical thing for them to do yeah. uh, because otherwise you say you're going to you know you have this competition um, between the between the devices but they must have handled it yeah um, one other thing I just want to mention before I before I forget before I wrap up is that when you um, are using things like AV player and AV player layer and you um, are then using airplay to output your video to a television um, you are responsible entirely for showing information on the screen on the iPad to say, I am now using an external display. It just effectively goes to a, a black screen um, where the video layer or the video hosting view was. will just go black. All your other stuff on the screen will stay as it is, um, but you really need to display something there to tell the user that you know they should be looking at the television at this point. So that's, that's just a, a hint for that. Um, and then finally... Go away and look at, um, it was WWDC session 406 um, about AirPlay and external displays. Um, it gets a little bit heavy towards the end, but it, it's good stuff. Um, there's quite a lot of stuff at the beginning when they're talking about AirPlays about um, audio, um, but it covers some things as well that I haven't discussed, things like um, running it in the background so you can, you can have a video player where you stream the video out over AirPlay 
um, you can come out and go to a different application. It will still keep on streaming it. Um, and things like supporting um, remote controls, not just, say, the Apple TV remote control, but if you've got a, a set of headphones with a remote control in it, things like that. So there's, there's lots of extra stuff you can do in it. Um, but it, I really just wanted to, to sort of cover the basics of um, possibly using a second screen for your applications and um, just give people an idea of the fact that there is AirPlay, the second screens, there's AirPlay mirroring, and, and they are all interlinked, but there are slight differences and nuances in using it all. Yay. And now we've all gone really quiet. <laughs> for a while, you couldn't shut us up. <laughs> Do you have more for us? Do we move on? No, move on. Move on now. Feel free. Well, don't okay. forget that I still have my question I want to ask. Uh, well, well, I mean, do- we were just wanting to see if that was answered, first of all. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. So, John, far away with your question. Let's do that first. Okay. So, uh, YouTube has this ability to play back a, a video stream from a certain point, right? So, if you've got a two-minute video and you just want to show a 10-second clip somewhere in the middle of that, you can form a YouTube URL that that specifies the start and end time. Yep, and it's a tremendously cool feature. And so, but you know, the, it does it in the Flash Player perfectly. And in theory, it's supposed to work in their their you know their non-Flash players. Ultimately, the the ones I don't know whether you're familiar with that, but you know, you can. There's a way to um, embed an iframe in a, in a web page, which you basically give them the 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 ID of the YouTube video you want to play back in a URL and you do it in an iframe and then on their side, they kind of craftily deliver back a, a, a URL for the, the, the H264 video stream, but they do it in such a way that if you were to actually inspect the element and grab the URL and copy and paste it somewhere else, it, it really it literally only works in, in that browser context. So it's the way they kind of prevent people, I guess, from, from, you know, getting access to the, the H.264 URLs. Anyway, all that said, um, I've searched high and low, and and in theory, the parameters are such that you should be able to, to specify that you want things like autoplay on and that you want to play it back from offset. But in practice, at least on iOS, it doesn't seem to work. Right. So all that said, in the end, it is still using, I'm, I'm guessing, an, an MP you know, player. Right, and you can set the the playback of something. Right, if if, if it's playing a stream, can't you you can you can tell it you know a, a player to, to seek to a certain point. And now it may take a delay while it gets there, but you should be able to do it. Right. I yes. Mean, if, if, if and so when you have a a web view that that ultimately ends up in, in loading a player, in theory you should be able to, to 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 get to that player object. Maybe not in the in the prettiest way. But you should be able to get to it, no? In theory, but I, I guess it depends um, how how Apple have sort of embedded it or buried it in WebKit, um, because I think um, the player would be part of of effectively the web browser or the UI web view rather than being a sort of a standalone um, um, MP movie player or something like that that you can that you can access. I would guess. It's, it's not an area I know a huge amount about. Um, you, it might be worth speaking to someone like Mike Abdullah, ah, who's a right. bit of a whiz on on, uh, on WebKit and did a, a very good course for uh, iDeveloper TV. Right. That's 10% of sales, yeah. please, Scotty. <laughs> you, okay. you two no should, danger there, I'll buy a you beer. Two should, 
you two should have a kid, and that kid would have the, the perfect knowledge I'm looking for. So I hope you're talking it. about Mike and uh, Simon, uh, and uh, not me and Simon. Yes. <laughs> I think either of those two options is a fairly hideous image, really. <laughs> I'm happier now. Okay, let me just check if we have any questions come through in the chat room on that. No, you've obviously fulfilled them to their complete desire. Say, okay. Yes, yes. The, the audience is saying yes. I'm spent. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Well, actually, that's that's good because we're coming to the end of our 45 minutes. Um, so uh, before we just wrap up, it's time to do the sort of the plugs and the um, pointing things out to people that uh, you want to point out to them. Um, Simon's just busy going around the chat room. But uh, yeah, actually, Simon, I didn't ask you at the beginning of the um, episode because we and John were too wrapped up in ourselves and being important. Um, if, if you'd done anything technical over Christmas, or well, you said you'd be close or anything to announce news-wise. So it's, uh, no, um, um, nothing at all. I'm, I'm beavering away on, on client projects. I've got... Um, hopefully an exciting and interesting meeting coming up on Friday. I've got big plans this year to uh, write and release my own application. Um, and it's a big um, sort of funding meeting on Friday. Um, nothing too exciting with banks. This is a, a relative related loan, um, <laughs> which is probably much easier for me, hopefully. Um, but hopefully, yeah, later this year, I will I will be launching a, an Otter software application on the world. Okay, well, um, can we ask you now, live on the air, where you will be um, held to it later on? It would be, <laughs> be, be great if you could... Um Will it ship before money well, too? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to be that cruel. Um, yeah, it'd be great if you sort of can sort of in some way sort of document, record your journey of, you know, because you're, you're looking to raise finance in order to be able to spend some time yeah. uh, doing it. You're going the family loan route, which is, you know, one of the suggestions just to, you know, after the software has been released later in 2000 and. 12. Much later, yes. Yeah. yeah, it would be good to go back through that journey, but you know, go through back from a point of view of, you know, uh, for example, you might say in March, I'm hoping to do this, and you've recorded that, and then you realise it's not until June you get to do it or whatever. Just yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I had plans to do what an awful lot of people do and sort of document the whole design and UI iteration process, but I actually think from a um, um, because I'm a Amal was a big fan of the the old Mac SB podcasts um that it would be nice to do something about the whole sort of development process you should say from the initial yeah. sort of almost idea through to the investments and how you're going to actually write it and, and how it all goes and remember that will only mean you've got to come here for an hour as opposed to spending hours writing all those blog posts yeah <laughs> so, which means which means your app won't ship because you're writing, you're writing the blog post about why your app isn't shipping indeed yes <laughs> that would be from from drunken idea to debtor's prison <laughs> my journey as indie software developer my, my rapid decline to the gutter available on the Kindle <laughs> right okay well you've just said Otter Software so you might as well carry on with the plug tell, tell us where people can find out more about you Simon okay uh, my company website is ottersoftware.com um, there's a, a blog which is not updated anywhere near as much as I'd like at ottersoftwareblog.com um, you can find me on Twitter as SGAW um, usually having a rant about somebody like BT in my phone line 
Um, Your piece of string. My piece of string, which really is. Um, and that's it, really. I'm not on Google Plus anymore. Uh, I am on Perth, but I don't use that. So I think. <laughs> don't bother listening to all the social networks you don't use. That would take a while. <laughs> Facebook, no. So yeah, Twitter. Come and find me on Twitter. It's SGAW. <laughs> John, please don't tell us about what you don't do. Well, I don't dance for the Royal Ballet. I don't. <laughs> John, well, t- tell us something interesting. <laughs> well, you know, I, no, I do dance for the Royal Ballet. But, you know, I tried to start a little uh, kind of UK, California beef. You know, as, as fans of the show, ultra fans of the show will know that uh, when Dave and Scotty came out, I filmed a little clip of them in this place called Mission Pie, which in some ways bears some resemblance to, to Prince Charles, how, how do you pronounce it? Duchy, Duchy Royal Garden, Royal Farm or whatever. And uh, I wanted to Not show the video. as you wish to. Douchey, I think is what I called it, yes. <laughs> and I, I've done my best to try and get some type of, of, of beef, you know, rap war style beef going, but I haven't succeeded in doing it. But I am going to keep trying. But uh, well, The so reason Dave's want... not here engineering is he's in jail for crimes oh, against right, the crime. <laughs> And so if you want to follow my progress on that, you can find me as Jembe, D-J-E-M-B-E on Twitter, um, where I do let for, uh, let loose and hold forth. And uh, if you want to follow my, my progress with Memory Miner, you can go to memoryminer.com slash blog. Okay, um, I'm just going to do a quick announcement. NS Conference details and tickets will be going on sale very soon. That's all I'm going to tell you. Is that like a money well very soon? No, this is more like a something else. Text mate. Ships ships quite fast very soon. Um, Very soon. Uh, Speaker lineup is just about there. Very excited. Um, Got some great new speakers. Got some people returning for their second time. Got a few people who are foundational and been there all the time. Um, Really pleased this year. We've... um, taken two of last year's blitz talk speakers that's the delicate given speakers and given them a chance to speak on the main stage as well so it's about encouraging the community to come up a few new people coming through all those details will be announced on the ns conference website very soon if you want to know about tickets the people who will know first you know before any twitter announcement or any blog post will be the people who are on the ns conference mailing list so you need to go to nsconference.com and sign up to the mailing list because they will get at least 24 hours notice before anybody else and uh, if we say there are going to be about 150 tickets on sale and there are currently close to 1,000 people on that mailing list, you need to be awake at the right time. Well, you have a better chance of getting into Harvard. <laughs> well, if you want to pay the same fees as you would to go to Harvard, I can give you a ticket to the conference. That's not a, that's not a problem. I'll, I'll that's, personally that's, deliver the conference to your that, That's guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, we'll come and do it at your house for that sort of money. <laughs> It's in there. Dave is down at the conference center right now. That's why I'm engineering this show because he's uh, sorting out some tech stuff. We're um, trying to make sure the Wi-Fi is going to be good and stuff like that. That uh, always hurts at conferences. Right. I'm Scotty. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter as MacDevNet. Um, I'm not going to list you all the social networks I'm not on because that would take a while. <laughs> so uh, there we are. Please check out our video courses at iDeveloper.tv. Um, I haven't yet done the obligatory I'm going to blog more this year blog post, which I think was the last blog post I did. 
<laughs> in 2011. Um, but it will be arriving sometime. So if you want to hear about all the things I am going to fail to do uh, over the next 12 months, then maybe uh, check out the blog at some point. Uh, thank you very much for listening. This is where I've got to try and press three buttons on the laptop, twist two dials on the mixing desk, and stop something else all at the same time. So this probably isn't going to work. So I'm going to say until next time, you take care.